0: So uh, let's look at what uh, the Word of God is going to tell us today. I call this message, first of all, the boldness to change your familiar. Amen. Boldness to change your familiar. And I, we just came off a series uh, in the month of January called, uh, the, uh, was called the transition month. And the reason we called it that because one thing we've learned, I've learned uh, about uh, entering into the new year. Uh, the strike, probably some of you were somewhere uh, about midnight. Some of you were one place. You might have been in church. You some of you went to uh, uh, Myrtle Valley Remnant. And some of you did other things if you stayed home. But usually at the strike of midnight, uh, everybody toast their glass. Amen. And how many toasted at midnight? Amen. And if you said you went to sleep, oh, you got to get with the program, man. You got to take a nap, get back up. <laughs> And uh, whatever it is you were, you were drinking, cider, root beer, whatever it is you're drinking, we all probably did that. And I thought about that, how every year we do that. Uh, we physically, mentally, and emotionally, we cross into the new year. Amen. But what about our spiritual man? Do we, does he cross into the mirror, uh, the future also, or do we leave him back there? Because we can move everything forward but if our spiritual man is, is stuck in time, in some kind of time zone, then the main thing, the, the main being that, that needs to get into the new year is that spiritual man. Because emotionally, we look at the past year, we say, you know, uh, I need to, I, I just wait till the new year comes. Great things are going to happen, and, 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 and they do, and they could. But a lot of times we leave our spiritual man. So how do we transition the spiritual man? How do we transition into the new year uh, which we're only in the first month, a uh, second month, we is it by resolution? No, it's by transformation. So for us to to transition, we have to have transformation. Now the reason I picked the story of uh, Joshua in chapter 3 is because this journey uh, that the children of Israel were taking is very parallel to our Christian life today, whether we realize it or not. If you study it well, you look at everything, they were, they were constantly uh, moving. They were constantly moving toward the promised land. And a lot of things took place in the process, a lot of changes that they didn't expect. And, 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 and think about this. There was two, gen, two different or three different generations here. Uh, the first generation was the, uh, the generation coming out of uh, Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea. And then the second generation and third generation, some of them uh, uh, crossed. They didn't cross that crossing. They were born in the wilderness, and they crossed the Jordan River. So you're looking at two different... Uh, 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 types of, I don't want to say different culture, but uh, a whole different uh, mindset. So l- let's take this church, for example. We have a, a combination of younger people, and then uh, we got a uh, combination of uh, middle aged people, uh, and then we got a combination of more younger people, like myself. Amen. And so we constantly are transitioning, with, and we're all going to the same place. Do you believe that? Amen. And I was thinking, man, you know what? Today for me, it's about being ready for Jesus. Because he's closer. He's closer than when we first started. And we were talking about this, my wife and I. And so, you know what? Through all the years, through all the years, through all the things we've seen, we've we got to take our spirit into this new year, not leave it in the past. Not leave it in 2022 or 21 or 10 years back, but transition, because there's newness in transition. So we're going to find out in chapter 3, and there's some very important scriptures uh, that I want you to, uh, I would ask you to tune in on, and because this is not just something I read, but God had just had me stuck in this book for, for a whole month, and, and every Time I would look at it something would, would, would pop out to me. Joshua started early in the, uh, the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stopped there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests... You are to break camp and follow it. Instructions here. We're talking about instructions. Amen. But, in verse 4, keep a distance of about a thousand yards in between yourselves and the ark. Keep a distance. In other words, don't get close to it. Watch it from afar. But do not go near it so that you can see the way to go. For you haven't traveled this way before. And there's a reason why God put some distance between us and him uh, in our journey so that we don't get ahead of ourselves. We don't get ahead of the ark. We don't get ahead of what God is, is wanting to do. Because listen, when we're not knowing where God is trying to take us, we start going in every kind of directions. And this already happened to the first generation of Israelites leaving out of Egypt, when things didn't look good, when things didn't look promising, when they were looking at God's promise, but they totally disregarded the, the instructions given to them many times. And so what happens, they find themselves lost. And God's saying, okay, I got another generation here ready for the same, uh, ready for the same journey, so I must make it clear to them what they are to do. First thing I'm going to talk about is, I'm going to make a, a couple points. One, first thing I, I want to mention, the point is taking steps into the unknown is taking risk. Amen. There are always risk in taking steps into the unknown. But it's following uh, what God is telling us to do to get there that's going to allow us to take those steps with boldness, even though we cannot see the other side of the Jordan River. See, we are kind of making our Jordan crossing, and it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen at the, at, at the strike of midnight. It happens throughout the very year we are entering. And what we do today, listen, what we do today will always, always determine where we are tomorrow. Can you say amen today? It will always you can't avoid that. We we can't take shortcuts. We can't find if God says go this way, then that's what we do. Well, you know what? I I, I know that's a long way, but I know a shortcut to get there faster. And we and we think that way. I'm I'm about shortcuts, man. You know, my I, my we're coming down the freeway, and 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 my wife's trying to understand how to get here, and you know this street, this street, this street. Or you can just take. So five and then get off and come out. Or you can go to this street. This. I'm all through all the streets and everything. Every, every time we're here, we're learning a new street in Whittier. I don't like to follow the app. I like to just follow my instinct. <laughs> that's a problem. And that's how we are in God. We follow our instinct. Well, uh, 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 I know what God is saying, but I, I want to do it my way because it's the better way. It's not the smarter way. It might seem like the better way. Taking steps into the unknown, and that's what we're doing. We are taking steps into the unknown, and I appreciate and I and, and, and I totally uh, love the fact that uh, Pastor Danny and they have a vision, and 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 we want to come up and and, uh, and and follow that vision with them and support that vision with them, but but uh, at the same time, each one of us must understand if we're going to follow that vision, we have to be willing to take steps into the unknown, and we have to take risks. L- let me say this. Don't worry, about, don't worry about your reputation. Amen. Worry about more your testimony. The testimony that comes through... Uh, Allowing God, it, it, it's a testimony is it, much better than a reputation. I would rather have a testimony of God than any reputation. Jesus was of no reputation. Who am I to say, I want a good reputation? I want a good testimony. And the only way I'm going to have a good testimony is to follow the path that God is leading us to. And to, and to speaking of what we have witnessed to see God do. In verse five, Joshua told the people, "Consecrate yourself, because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow." And what God was looking at, I believe, He was He didn't want these people to cross over the Jordan with all their old stuff with everything they were carrying not just their supplies but in their hearts in their minds remembering the hardships of the past and looking at all the things that that went wrong in their life all the things they've seen their their ancestors go through he didn't want them to carry that across the jordan he said before you go across consecrate yourselves And this is, I believe, what God, what I said, this is parallel to our lives. God wants us to concentrate ourselves so that we don't cross prematurely. It's a journey. It's not just one step. It's not overnight. I love to be everywhere overnight, amen? How many love to travel? You know, we we used to like to travel. Now it's like, oh, man, it hurts to travel, amen? (laughs) You get older. I wish I was like on Star Trek, just beam me up, and I'm there, amen? Beat me up, Jesus, and I'm there. But consecrate yourselves, he told the people, because the Lord will do wonders among you, amongst you tomorrow. He says tomorrow, but today, consecrate yourselves before you cross that that line, before you step into the next what he has for you, and you and I. And see, what the children, we know the story. But what the children of Israel at this time cannot visualize is, yes, they were going to go into the land of milk and honey. They were going to go into the promise of God. But what they did not see, the first place that they were going to come upon was Jericho. It was Jericho. And Jericho, the culture and the people and uh, the ways of Jericho, was the enemy of God in every way. And like, isn't that like, Typical for us many times. Yeah, I'm going to step into a blessing, but before I do, there's going to be a there's going to be a trial there. I'd rather just have the blessing first and deal with the trial later. Like I, I want to have my cake and eat it too, but sometimes you got to you got to knock down the giant to get his to get his gold. Amen. And everything uh, they wanted, but Jericho happened to be located uh, located in a place. It kind of went in two different directions, but it was right there where those, those directions split. So no, there was no way around it. They were going to, whether they went this way or that way, they were going to see Jericho first. And that was the obstacle. That was the thing. And we know what happens there. But listen, you got to remember something. None of that would have happened had they not made the first steps before they crossed that river, before they got to that point. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that they will know, they will know I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Now, I purposely highlighted that scripture, but I skipped the one before it. Amen. The second point is knowing that it is God. There are some things, listen, brothers and sisters, there are some things as Christians, we, we can't shoot dice in the dark and say, you know, win, 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 7, 3, or 11, whatever. We have to know that it is God. Because the worst thing of, of going forward in any direction is not knowing it is God. And sometimes what is for God for everybody else, it might not be directly but indirectly for you. Well, if that, if that brother and that sister are going that, and it's working for them, then that's what I'm going to do. But we have to understand we're individuals, and God has us purpose for various things, various things that we're not always, uh, are not always foreseen or we are prepared for. That's why we must consecrate myself. And I'm saying this this way. If I'm going to go forward and I'm going to have any success in God, and I'm going to have any uh, uh, anointing or have any kind of, uh, uh, you know, true guidance to the Holy Spirit, I must first consecrate myself. I can't. Be who God does not want me to be, and expect that journey to go well for me. It'll just be bumpy all the way. Stones, scorpions, thorns, whatever's in the wilderness. It'll all be bumpy. Not that they won't be there, but when God is before us, we know the word says, Who can be against us? Let me just back up on scripture. He says in verse 6: Then he said to the priests, carry the ark of the covenant And go on ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. Now, I like where we see this, that God is speaking directly to him and to tell the priest. The priests were to carry out uh, the command of the Lord given to Joshua. And then the people were to listen to the officers. And so there was was a, a collaboration here. Everybody had to know what was going on for it to be right. Everybody has to consecrate themselves to go forward. As a body of Christ, you know, this is kind of what this uh, communion is. You know, we're consecrating ourselves before the Lord. And uh, as I said earlier, a lot of times we feel, well, I'm not ready. And well, you know, when we have communion, remember, we, ha- we know it's coming. We, 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 we can take time and fix the wrongs, whether it's with an individual or a family member or a loved one, and there's wrongs that need to be turned right. We have time to do that rather than show up on Sunday and say, well, I got to go find that person. If they're not here, I have to pass on communion. That's not the lesser evil. So knowing that it is God. How do we know it is God? We listen. Yes, of course, we pray. We pray. But you know what? Uh, One thing I've learned about uh, being in the prayer room or being, uh, uh, in our case, it's it's in our home, our living room. We turned it into a prayer room. We took all kinds of stuff out of there so we could just have room in there to pray. That's all we, we do. We hardly are in there. But it's learning to listen and wait, learning to wait and listen what God's telling us. And he might not tell you the first time, but everything you ask God Please, please, wait for the answer. Wait for the answer. Don't get ahead and, and cross that river and now you, you feel, oh, I made it to the other side. But listen, you didn't get the answer of where, of what next. Taking risk. Knowing that it is God. And then he said, I'll read it one more time, in verse 7, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Once he gave all the instructions, the Lord spoke to Joshua, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that they will know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. Now, let me, let me tell you something about this scripture here. What does he mean by I will exalt you in all the sight of Israel? They needed to see that. They needed to see that there was a leader that was connected to God. And, and, and they could trust him, they could depend on him, they can rely on him because they know that they were, uh, they were in the safety of God if they followed the instructions. And so that's the way it is. They're, you know, we, we, we all want a, a leader or that we all should have a leader. We want a leader that's going to say, you know what, I, I trust you in the direction you're going. And that's what, that's what we, we all have here. I believe that our, I, I'm here because of that. Where we have somebody, we can follow their vision, we can get behind them, and, and they will lead us because they're listening to God, we know they're praying, and, and all these things. Does that mean there should be no mistakes? Of course not. I, I don't know anybody that's never made a mistake. Everybody that I ever thought about putting up in a pedestal, forget it. Now somebody asked me one time, who's your favorite preacher? Who's your favorite teacher? I said, Jesus. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, shallow. Well, who's your favorite pastor? I said, Jesus. No, 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 I mean in the human form. You mean like somebody I know? Yeah, I don't have one. If I have to pick one, it'll be me. <laughs> but I didn't pick me. I said, Jesus, well, why do you say that? Because he's the only one that don't sin, that hasn't sinned. He's the only one that went all the way. That's why he's my favorite teacher, pastor, preacher. I mean, I'm serious when I say that. Verse 8, he says, Verse no, let me give you another point, third point. Listen, and this is something we've learned, and I'm going to tell you why. Years ago, when we were still in the mission field, we got to a spot, I think it was about 1996 or so, We got to a spot, we got to a place in our ministry where we had not passed, we had not seen. Basically, those of us that started in that ministry, we all came to the same place, and that's where it pretty much ended for many people. But when we got to that spot, I didn't know what to do or how to uh, move forward. And then the questions were always asked to me, well, what are you going to do? And because uh, back then, uh, we didn't have a lot of outside connection like we do today. But one day, I clearly remember the Lord had spoke to my heart. And, and I know, listen, I know clearly the difference. I know when God is telling me to do something and speaking to me directly, there's that presence. And you hear it. And honestly, I'll, I'll be honest, in all the 40 years I've been a Christian, I've only seen that three times. It was always something that didn't directly benefit me. It was for somebody else. And that's another way you know. It's not about you. But I know that one time the Lord says, if, if you open your heart in your arms and and you give yourself some room to breathe and understand there's others that can help you, if you do that, I will send people your way that are going to help you to succeed. And I'll be honest, to this day, I have seen that to this very day, to this very day. And that was back in 1996, and that changed everything. We were able to move forward. We were able to take it farther. We were able to establish it. And then eventually, we were able to leave it and and move on. And this is what I'm talking about. The third point, everything and everyone outside your familiar is not your adversary. They might be a little different. They might talk a little different. They might think a little different. And that doesn't mean you have to adapt to their ways. But in God's eyes, if we are living for him, we're no different. And there's some things that are different. I'll give you an example. I remember one time, and uh, uh, you know, we used to go help other uh, uh, pastors that we had met. we go like, uh, we, we'd take a, a train ride, and we took a few people from our church. And my wife and I, we took some people in time to, uh, we, we met a pastor uh, from, from uh, Mexico City. He was also a pastor in, in southern Russia. So we took a train ride to Moscow, and then we took another train ride farther south, way south of the border, and we went to his church, and it was awesome, the fellowship we had, and we learned some things, and he learned some things from us, and these are the kind of things that helped us. And other times, they weren't so uh, what we expected. I remember one time we got around, and, and uh, uh, we were having communion. We were at this church, and it was a big circle. And they started uh, passing. Uh, you, you didn't do this. It was in a big old thing, and you, everybody drank out of it. And I'm not one to do that. It either is my wife. And so so <laughs> It's going around. It's going around. Then it went around twice. But it started with uh, me, and it started with, with her, and then it went around. And then the first time I got it, I, you know, took the bread, and they were doing communion, and I drank, I drank the wine, and went, Ooh, man, what proof is this? Amen. Because we don't all take communion the same way. <laughs> and then it went around again, and I just I kind of got all spiritual. I said, you know what, let's just put it down and praise God. And they're all looking at me because they wanted it to go around again. And then I did one of those things like I showed you on Thursday. I didn't open my eyes. My wife's there. I know it sounds funny, but this is a true story. (laughs) He says, command the priest, in verse 8, Carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, when you reach the edge of the water, listen to what he says, stand in the Jordan. Everything we do, there's going to be explicit instructions. And we have to pay We can't half-step. We can't sidestep. We can't just pass it on. We can't, we, we can't take what we think we learned from the old times and make it work. Again, and I'm not talking about ideas and ways and, and things like that, but I'm talking about the heart and, and saying, you know what, I, I, I've seen a lot of failure in my life as a Christian, but, but God's grace has kept me. And I've learned, if anything, I need to do as a Christian, as a pastor, is I need to follow instructions from the Lord. And if they're not coming in the form of man, I still need to follow instructions in the Lord. He says, command the priests, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. And that's exactly what they had to do. You can't take one little piece off and say, you know what, let me see if I can tweak that. We always want to tweak things, amen? I want to tweak that a little bit, make it a little easier. Then Joshua told the Israelites, I like this, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Now, I wouldn't tell you to do that so you can hear me clearly, but he said to come closer. He's saying, you know what? You come closer because you need to hear, and if you stay over there, you don't come closer, you're responsible for what happens, and if you don't hear, you're responsible for what happens because you did not come closer. You did not move toward where you can hear. A lot of times, you know, it's almost habitual to stay outside of God's range when he speaks to us. Things in our lives will keep us outside the range, will keep us out of of the river edge. We'll be way out in the bushes and we're trying to, we act like we're trying to hear what God is saying, but in our hearts, we rather not. He says this, you will know the living God is among you and he will certainly dispose before you the Canaanites, the Heatherites, the Hivites, the Pezzarites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and all the ites, All of them. <laughs> and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you to the Jordan. But look at how many enemies that he's warning him about. If it's not this, it's going to be them. If it's not them, it's going to be them. If it's not the Canaanites, it's gonna be the Hittites. And if it's not the Hittites, it's gonna be the Hittites. And if it's not them, it's gonna be the Pezerites. Or they might all come together. And this is why we consecrate ourselves. Because when we consecrate ourselves, there is a fear of God, not a fear of the elements, not a fear of the enemy, not a fear of, of, of what is set to try to destroy the mission God has given us from here on to get to the place. We're not home yet. I like the logo, welcome home. And I feel home when I come here. But this is my temporary home. This is my church home. And we all, uh, uh, we want, we all one day want to get to our heavenly home. Do we still believe in heaven here? <laughs> I think about it all the time, I, you know, especially in the time of pain and struggle. I say, God, I'm, I'm glad I still believe in heaven and I'm glad I still believe in, 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 in standing before you uh, 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 on the day of judgment, but, but for my reward, amen, for my reward. Our reward doesn't come here. God gives us little tidbits, and he gives us blessings, but, but I'm talking about uh, 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 the place uh, uh, when we are in eternal life. When we are celebrating our lives with Christ. I'll be honest, that's hard to fathom when you're struggling. You're not thinking about that. You know, other things got you, your mind, and this is what he was talking about. Listen, Israelites, uh, you got all this luggage. You got all this drama in your past, but I'm bringing to this place because when, before you get over, th- this is a pivotal point right now. This is an important step. Once you get over, yes, it is a land of blessings, But because we are still on this earth, there will also be the land of opposition and trials. But in Christ, as we we consecrate ourselves, and what does that mean to consecrate ourselves? It means we don't wash things away like they're not there. Let me tell you something. I know how to do that. I know how to do that and still survive in the church. But when it starts coming out and God's breaking you and something is, is... Revitalize something is reborn. I was like, oh my God, why didn't I do that years ago? Anybody can relate to that? You say, Wow, Pastor, how can you speak so openly and personally? Because I don't have nothing to gain or lose. I have more to gain by being honest with God and saying, Who you think I look like? It is not Him, but who I am are the very things I share with you. Somebody that has knows what it is to be broken, lost, live in sin. Somebody knows what it is to be in bondage of all kinds. But then see the Lord bring his forgiveness. That's the one thing that brought me back was the Lord's forgiveness. It wasn't a program or anything else, it was the Lord's forgiveness, a personal revelation. I said, God, thank you. Thank you. I don't he, I don't have a reputation. All I want is a testimony. We came here. I said, "You know, Pastor Danny, we're here to serve. We're not asking for nothing. We want to get behind you because I see a pastor that's that's uh, uh, got a vision ahead of him and and wants to see new things and wants to do new things. And and and, and that was the draw. That was the draw. And and and, and and we want to be behind that. We want to be part of that. I always say, we don't have to lead it. We just want to be part of it. Listen to what he says. And when the ark of the covenant, in verse 11, of the Lord, of who, when, excuse me, when the ark of the covenant of the Lord, of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Of Israel, one for each tribe. One for each tribe. Again, instructions. And verse 13 is important. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water. Its water will be cut off. Just like in the Red Sea, a little different. The water flowing downstream, downstream will stand up in a mass. I would love to see that one day. Probably won't, but wouldn't you love to see that? We only read about it, we only think about it, probably dream about it. But imagine those people. Remember, they don't see things that, you know, they don't know things that we've seen. Amen. The things we've seen, we testify, we, we, we witness about the things we've seen. This is what God does. I saw it. I was a witness. I saw it in somebody. I saw somebody healed. I saw somebody uh, redeemed. I saw somebody walk and couldn't walk. And then we, we, we testify about his goodness. One of the things the Lord told me when he spared my life. I'm not going to get into a lot of that, but I'll say this. He told, me, he told me a few things. He says, number one, first of all, you are no longer going to do what you want. You're going to do what I want. And believe me, I tried, and it was a disaster. Even after that, I tried, and it was a disaster. Second thing he said, what you're going to do is you're going to tell people about my goodness and healing power. And that was like, wow, that just, that put my whole pastoring in a whole different direction and that's all I've been doing and that's all I've been doing for the most part trying to do, trying to stay faithful to that, tell, tell people about my goodness and healing power, basically how he forgave me and allowed me to live when everything in the clinical book said no way, when all the nights my wife went home with, with what they said to her, we don't know if he's going to make it, one night after the next. I don't know if he's going to pull through. I don't know. And the other thing was, if he does, by some miracle, he's going to be on a wheelchair with oxygen. And you know what? Honestly, this is a true story. I wrote, when I had a trick down my throat and I couldn't talk, I wrote a note to the doctor. And I said, I'm going to carry my suitcases out of here myself. I'm going to walk out of here. And, and, and I was mad. Not at God no more. I was mad at what, what I allowed the devil to do to me and what I allowed to happen in my life. And finally I said, you know what, that's it, man. And I was angry. I was like mad at the devil now. And, and I, said, I said, devil, you think this is going to stop us? I remember thinking that. I couldn't say it, but I remember writing it and, and out of my eyes. And you think this is going to stop us? Do you think this is going to stop us? No way. It's going to just get me more mad to fight. You know what it is to be cornered? And it's either you fight or you get beat up, amen? Oh, well, nobody grew up like me then. <laughs> and that's a testimony right there. It wasn't about me. And I tell people, that was not about me. That was just the story God did. It was about him. About him. When people broke the camp across the Jordan, verse 14, I'm going to finish up here. The priest carried the ark of the covenant ahead of the people now... The Jordan overflows its banks, 15, the harvest season, throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge. And verse 16, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up, just like the word of the Lord said, rising up in a mass that ended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan, and the water flowing downstream into the sea of Araba and the Dead Sea was completely cut off. And the people crossed opposite of Jordan. After everything they followed, it began to happen. Listen, after everything you and I follow, according to God's word, according to his authority, things will happen. They don't happen automatically. They don't happen because we draw it up on a scale and said, "This is going to happen. It will happen if we are obedient to the to the leading of God, through and through." And verse finally, verse uh, seventeen, carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant, stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on the dry ground until the entire nation. Finish crossing the Jordan. And the last point I want to make in verse uh, is, there will be blood. Okay? There will be blood. Probably yours. Don't panic. Don't freak. But Jesus already paid the price with his. And what I mean by that is when you do things that are not the same, uh, we know this from experience. Amen. We know this. But nevertheless, we were listening to what God was directing to us. And when that happens, nobody can, can actually come against that. They, it, it will happen, but it won't succeed. There will be blood, opposition, indifference, resistance, and criticism. But you have to understand that comes with the package to moving into the unknown. Can anybody say amen? Now, I want to I close with chapter 4, just a few scriptures, because that's what I need to do. After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, "Choose twelve men from the people, one man of each tribe. Once again, and command them: take the twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests are standing. Carry them with you and set them down as set them down at the place where you spend the night." And so Joshua summoned the twelve he had selected, one man for each tw- uh, tribe. I want uh, us to listen uh, intensely to these next words. In verse five, he said, "Go across the ark of the Lord. Go, go across to the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes." Now, verse six and seven is is very important because here's what I want to get to. So that you so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off from the front of the ark of the Lord's covenant, when it crossed the Jordan, and the Jordan water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial of the Israelites. Now, let me say this, that... Uh why don't we stand? I want to I wanna do this. Let's stand and bow our heads. I, I just understand what I want to say. I want to say it with grace, because I think what I'm gonna say next, we've all experienced this, and maybe there's been some mistakes in the understanding of many things. Let's bow our head in prayer. If you're there in the online, you can do the same thing, please. Some of us are first-generation Christians who cross the Red Sea in our own own way. You know what I mean. Some of you are second- and third-generation Christians who are crossing the Jordan River. Either way, we're all making that cross over. And listen, that's verse 6 and 7. These, these, brothers and sisters, these are the stories we should be telling our children. We are the witnesses of God, of His work, and we testify of His goodness. These are the stories we should be telling our children. We need to tell them more glory stories. His glory. Not our glory stories. Not our war stories. Not our poor stories. And definitely not our horror stories. But a lot of times, that's what our kids have learned. Because we didn't teach them. I'm not blaming nobody. Listen, I take everything on me. Because maybe we didn't teach them what God had done. Rather, what we allowed them to carry what we were carrying. And we made that crossing. We brought a lot of pain with us. And now, as our children, they've inherited it. Can anybody relate to me today? I believe you can. And what am I saying? We can change that. We can change that. I said this before. This time, listen, brother and sister, this time around, we, we got to get it right, man. We got to get it right because there's still hope for our children. If they're lost, if your children are lost because they're, they're hurt, they're damaged by the former crossing because everything they've seen, everything they've heard, everything they've seen, you go through there. But these are the stories. These are the stories of the good things God has done, the good things that are happening, the, good, the, the ways he has brought you on the journey. And today he has kept you. You're not there yet, but if you're still serving God, even if it's a struggle, even if you've made mistakes, you're in the right place. You're in his grace You're where he wants you to be, and that's a start. That's a start. And if you want to acknowledge that today, you want to say, God, you know what? I want to get this. I want to do this the way, this time your way. I want you to come to the altar. Believers, and if you're not saved, this is your first crossing, and God is going to help you, but you've got to come to Jesus. Those of you online, come to Jesus today. He has better things waiting for you than anything you could possibly plan on your own. So I want to open up the altar for a few minutes. We want to pray with you. listen, it takes dropping our pride to do this. Because you think that everybody say, well you're wrong and no. I, it, it, you, you it's a small price to pay for being healed, for being delivered. We're not exposing our hearts. God already knows that. We simply think, that we're just, we're, we're, our bodies are responding, but our hearts, God already knows that. This is an important crossing into the next. It sounds good when we're planning it, I know. And, and I love it, I love the plans, I love the way it's going. Yes, I know it's gonna be a battle for all of us, but that is our destiny, God's goodness. So will you join me today? And we're gonna pray for you. And those that help pray are going to pray for you. But that's not something I will insist on because we all have our own relationship with God. And also, if you're online, You can make this altar call as well. Witness of his goodness today. He said, when our children... This will be a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? One of these days, our kids will ask us, what, why did we do this, mom, dad, our pastor? Why did we do this or go this way? We can say, because this is an honorarium for God of what he did in our lives. And that's what I'm talking about today, brothers and sisters, an honorarium toward God. We're going to go ahead and worship, worship the Lord and just... We're going to thank him today. He's been good to us. He's been great to us. We're blessed.